Welcome to the Wall of Soundtrack, a show where we discuss the music and soundtracks behind the very best TV shows and motion pictures. In this episode, we'll be analyzing and dissecting the music and soundtrack behind James Gunn's hilarious Marvel Universe film, Guardians of the Galaxy. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Nadia Foucher Massage. Nadia is a massage therapist in the DC metro area with over 13 years of experience helping clients reduce stress and chronic pain. Nadia provides a variety of massages ranging from deep tissue, Swedish, and prenatal, and other services including aroma, reflexology, and stone therapy. Nadia also provides her services to private businesses and companies to help with stress management for their most important assets, their employees. I've also been a client of Nadia's for over 10 years and I can honestly say she's helped relieve the chronic pain and stress in my neck, upper body, and lower back. As a result, she's helped reduce my stress levels and improve my overall mental health. When I go to Nadia, I come out of the massage feeling like a new person. To schedule an appointment, visit www.nadiafmassage.com or call 301-651-3877. That's 301-651-3877. Hey everybody, just a quick update. It's been way too long since my last Wall of Soundtrack or Brutune podcast episode, but I should have a new episode coming your way where I pair hard rock band Clutch with their signature beer, the New Belgium Clutch Lips of Faith. So be on the lookout for that one. And I also finished a book review where I reviewed Room Full of Mirrors, a biography of Jimi Hendrix by Charles R. Cross. And then I should have some album reviews coming your way. So be on the lookout for new content coming your way. Guardians of the Galaxy is a Marvel Universe film that was directed by James Gunn. The screenplay was also written by both James Gunn and Nicole Perlman. The story surrounds the main character Peter Quill, also known as Star-Lord, a fictional superhero who forges an alliance with a group of space criminals who have stolen a powerful artifact. The film also includes a cast of renowned actors and actresses including the following. Chris Pratt as Peter Quill or Star-Lord. Zoe Soldana as Gamora. Bradley Cooper as Rocket, Dave Bautista as Drax the Destroyer, Vin Diesel as Groot, Michael Rooker as Yondu Udanta, and Karen Gillan as Nebula. There were also notable cameo appearances in the film from Glenn Close, John C. Riley, and Benicio Del Toro. My returning guest for this discussion is Cy Shackleford. Cy is a writer for the Entertainment Commentary and Review website, Actionagogo. You can follow his articles on the website, www.actionagogo.com. And you can also follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Shaq underscore house 83. Here's my discussion with Cy on the music and soundtrack behind James Gunn's Marvel film, Guardians of the Galaxy. Right, Cy, nice to have you again. Good to be here. Good to be here, Andrew. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Yeah, the Jaguars won, man. I'm in. A, I'm in a great, great mood. Oh yeah, my Patriots won, and they're gonna win again today against the Jets. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a beatdown, man. <laughs> but um, like, what do you think the score is gonna be? They're gonna run up the they're gonna run the scoreboard again, probably. Like in the 40s again. It's like, it's like it's like Mickey said it's like Mickey said to Rocky in the first two Rocky movies, don't let those bastards breathe. Yeah, yeah, but you know, 
So it's pretty interesting with the A B situation, right? Like I, I thank I thank you, Antonio Brown, for getting us all those points that you got us last week and how great you look, but if you just kept your mouth shut, you'd still be on a winning team. You'd still be idiot. on a team. Yes, idiot. idiot. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're like Terrence Howard in the first Iron Man movie, dude. You were the first one cast he was the first one cast in the film before Robert Downey Jr. And with the success of the second first film, he would have gotten more money and stayed on if he kept his mouth shut. Now look what happened to him. Yeah. He got replaced by Don Cheadle, and now he's doing Empire on Fox, which is an exaggerated version of the music business. <laughs> Who do you think is going to pick him up? Who's who's going to pick up? A.B. At this point right now, nobody. <laughs> he's, he's poison. Yeah, yeah. He's stupid as hell. He, why, why would you... I understand that he'd have a second accuser come at him, no doubt, but it's like, okay, you didn't have to be talking shit to her on social media, leaving threatening voicemails, or talking shit about her kids. If you've not done none of that, and now you talk shit about Bob Kraft, so now you you ain't, ain't nobody going to pick you up after that. Okay. And you ain't getting that $9 million to guarantee money now, neither. Yeah. Ain't nobody got time for that, right? <laughs> nobody got time for that shit, no doubt. But uh, what's going on, man, with with uh, Action to Go Go lately? Uh, we're tr- we might be trying to do something for uh, for the month of October, seeing as how it's Halloween. And one of our friends, uh, John Holmes, he recently produced and directed a movie. He's a big horror fan himself. <laughs> I'm sorry. What's John what? Holmes. That's his, that's his real name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's like oh, he's local sorry. local film buff. Shout out to John. And uh, he loves Italian cinema, particularly Italian horror. And I think his new, his uh, his debut directorial debut, which will be at AFI Silver on October sixth on Sunday, it's going to be in that horror vein that he's very that he has a very big knack for. Okay, so uh, I'm sure he's never caught shit for having that name, right? I give him shit frequently. <laughs> so, and um, addition to that, what's it called? I was in Adams Morgan last week. Um, for a show, a rap show at the Songbird. I haven't been. I haven't been to Adams Morgan since I was in my twenties. Yeah, I mean it, that place is always uh, a shit show, man. It's like it's like how the end of Saint Elmo's Fire was. It's like <laughs> it's like when they when they when they all at the end of the film, all the post graduates are like, "Why don't we go down to brunch at such and such?" Like, can we go somewhere else? That place is so many twenty year olds. Yeah, that's that's why I stopped going to Adams Morgan. But yeah. Yeah, it's just the, whenever I've been down there, dude, it's like there's just so many people there and it's impossible to get out of there. Like, I mean, it's just. It was easy to get in there and get out of there this time around, too. I went during the day. It was to see uh, Marlon Kraft. Uh, he's from Hell's Kitchen, rapper from Hell's Kitchen. He went to school down here in AU. Okay. Yeah, he's a, he's a dope rapper, dude. Check his album out, Funhouse Mirror. Check that out. Okay. Will do, man. Will do. So uh, I saw on the Action to Go Go website you did a, a trailer analysis of The Irishman. I mean,. What are your thoughts on this so far? I'm just glad to see Scorsese's back in the game, and he's gotten all these all these old heads now. I mean, yeah, <laughs> let's face it. They are old guys, but they still got it where it counts in terms of their acting ability. He got De Niro and Pacino on the same screen, and not only that, he brought Joe Pesci's little ass out of retirement too. <laughs> yeah, and he, I, I just, I can't wait to see how many cuss words this guy uh, lays down in this film, right? I mean, yes, maybe he can top Goodfellas, who knows, or Casino. Maybe, or I mean, didn't the, didn't the Departed already top that? And I mean, as far as Scorsese films go, yeah, I mean, it has to be close. Like, it seems like every other word is a cuss word in that movie. Yeah, and especially if it comes out of Joe Pesci's mouth. 
Yeah, yeah. So it'll be exciting, man. I heard there's a lot of other, uh, you know, well-known actors and comedians in it. Al Pacino playing Jimmy Hoffa and then Sebastian Maniscalco. I think he plays another gangster. I forget who it actually is. But then I think Jim Norton's actually in the morning of the Jim, movie too. Jim, and, little Jimmy Norton. The comedian. Yeah, he plays Don Don Rickles. Like Don Rickles. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they let him ad lib because Jim Norton can come out with some shit. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and then it was amazing. I saw pictures of like the makeup that they put on him, and like yeah. you know, he lost a lot of weight. So now they had to kind of put some more weight back on him to make him look like you know Don Rickles. I mean, he has lost weight in like recent years. I mean, in the like two seasons back on the Stars TV series Power, he played one of the uh, one of the drug one of the many drug kingpins on there. He played a, a Catholic priest of all people. Who was using his Catholic boys to sell drugs? Jeez, <laughs> he's like, I'm only in it for the money, but still going around giving confessions and whatnot. He, um, I've watched his show. You know, I think it's Sam and Jim. I think it's called Jim and Sam, or Cause Jim he got, and Sam because he show. got away because he got away from Opie and Anthony, right? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. It's he still has some pretty good people come on, and uh, you know, he had Michael Madsen on. Oh my god, Michael Madsen. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is so un- that guy is so unlike the characters that he portrays. Yeah, he's so chill, man. Yeah, like and it was it was actually pretty funny. I believe to, that to watch. <laughs> I, I believe that because Jim Norton, even on radio, I remember I heard this one thing when some some feminist chick called in when he was with Opie and Anthony to talk about how disgusting he was and whatnot, or when I when he and tried to accuse him of calling all women pigs. But Norton, he just he's a true comedian. It's like that, like that, like. Like how we in the DMV area, how we say, how we joan on each other left and right, snap yeah. back with insults. Norton is good at that too. He just knows that he just snapped right back at this comedian left and right. Told her you have the wit of the you have the wit of an autistic. Oh jeez. I'm like, well, that almost makes her prodigious if you think about it though. <laughs> the uh, yeah man, he's he's a great comedian. Um, I've seen him. I, sorry, I saw him. What's it called? The Lincoln Theater. Yeah, a few years ago, and I got Monster Rain on DVD too, the HBO special. Okay, yeah, I'll have to check that out. Um, yeah, man. So this this movie, Gall- uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, man, this is this is a good film. You know, good Marvel film, really funny, great music. I mean, I'm so glad I got the opportunity to watch this because. Um, you know, I think you're a little bit more in the Mar- Marvel universe than I am. And yeah. I, I, the, the last two films are uh, that I've seen this one and uh, Deadpool, I was very impressed with. Yeah, Deadpool is where Deadpool wasn't even under Marvel Studios. That was under Fox. But it, it broke a lot of barriers, I think, too. It definitely forced a lot of these other comic book movies to step their game up because, okay, they, they got something like Deadpool that's self-referential, ra- beyond rated R. Yeah, and still was critically and commercially acclaimed. And Marvel Studios, you got to give some of your darker, harder edge, dark humor characters a chance on screen too. But with Deadpool, well, with Fox, Fox being bought out by what's it called by Disney, the Fox Studios or whatever, they got Deadpool back now anyway. So Disney, Marvel, they're gonna do something with that in a few years, I imagine. Nice, nice, and and dude, there are so many great actors and actresses in this movie i was just so surprised by the the cast and these cameos too i mean like benicio del toro's in it that wasn't expected although we saw him a few years prior in a the in the post-credit scene of thor dark world where they're given one of the infinity stones to to benicio del toro's character and they reveal him to be the collector and i was like i was clapping it's like they're going deep into the the marvel cosmic 
cosmic characters now. Yeah, yeah. And then I think Glenn Close was... Uh, Nova was Prime. The, yeah, she was in the film, and she's, she's an amazing actress. She is, yeah. I mean, Nova Prime usually is anybody, but I guess they had to put Nova, the Nova Empire, in the film because they couldn't use the Avion aliens called the Shi'ar. Because they're under the, they were under the X Men properties at the time, which was under Fox. Okay. So they had to use a Nova Core instead. Yeah. Which worked. Which worked because Nova. Now that's a good Easter egg too. Yeah, and um, I was you know I was also surprised that Bradley Cooper was in the film because like he plays uh, plays Rocket, the Rocket Raccoon. Yeah, gave yeah. The voice. Yeah. And his voice, it doesn't really even sound like Bradley Cooper. I mean, it's it, it, it sounds, sounds like, like different, an, like an Italian New Yorker almost. Yeah, it almost sounded like that one actor from um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, uh, which one? Uh, I'm trying to remember. He's got like a he's got like a he usually has like a goatee. Uh, he's a smaller guy. He's oh. he was in um horrible bosses. Oh, I remember him. I remember him. Yeah. yeah it almost oh. sounded like him at some points, and I'm like, is who is this? Like, I'm like, who's doing the the voice for this character? But, I'm, I'm looking at I'm looking at Bradley Cooper's character, Rocket Raccoon, and Vin Diesel's character, Groot, and I'm thinking from The Lion King. I'm like Timon and Pumbaa. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't even know it was Vin Diesel. I mean, I guess I. Me, ne- me neither. At first, I thought I was thinking that Batista's character, Drax, I'm like, I, th- I was thinking that was Vin Diesel because I'm used to seeing, well, they're both bald and they're both muscular. Yeah. And I'm not used to seeing Batista speak at all. I'm used to seeing him just wrestle. Yeah. Yeah. That guy is jacked, man. He is. And who else? And Zoe Saldana. She was a Gamora. Yeah. Sarah Gillum. She was a Nebula, the blue skin one. Yeah. And Chris Pratt. This is good. This is good for him, too. Yeah. Being Star Lord. And it was, it was kind of a role I've. I've never really seen him in like comedy roles. Me, me so neither. like this was kind of new for him and I thought, you know, he really kind of branched out. And but months before that, he was the voice of the lead character in the Lego movie too, and that was a really good film I thought. Yeah. Very imaginative. And and also I want to say with this Marvel with his Guardians of the Galaxy film, Marvel took a chance doing this one. Disney took a chance doing the Guardians of the Galaxy, especially this lineup of the Guardians cuz not only are they not the Guardians that I grew up reading back when I was a 10-year-old, like Major Victory, Charlie 27, Starhawk, etc. Star-Lord, um, Rocket Raccoon, Groot. <laughs> These motherfuckers are all D-list characters. Yeah. And the fact that it went as successful as it did, you know what that means? You know what Marvel was doing? You know what Disney was doing to DC Comics, their rival, and DC Films? They're saying this. We took these D-list characters and we're pissing in your mouth now. Uh. Yeah, it seems like they're, they're they're dominating right now. I mean, Marvel is dominant. Their formula cannot be broken. I mean, yeah, they're taking like a year or two off, more or less, to, in order to go to, get to Phase Four, especially with Spider Man now being out of the MCU. Sony didn't want to play ball with their joint venture deal, so they took Spider Man out. But they'll be back when they come to their senses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just so much material to work with, too, right? And, and I mean, so much money for Sony to make as well. Yeah, and there's a huge fan base. I mean, like. Spider-Man Far From Home, the one that came out this year right after Avengers Endgame, Far From Home was that was that was better than Homecoming, I thought. Yeah, I'm really surprised like, you know, since you feel like paper media is kind of dying out and like comic books, like, you know, people collect comic books, but I was very surprised how huge the fan base was because like I felt like it kind of maybe just in my opinion died out a little bit, but then when they brought back and kind of tested the waters with X-Men and how like how well that was received? I was like, damn, that this is this is like a brilliant idea, you know. Yeah, movie studios jumped all over. Yeah, when X Men hit big in the box office in two thousand, yeah, movie studios. It's like Jay. It's like what they said in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. 
movie studios wanted to get their greedy little hands on every comic book property out there. Yeah, that's what happened eventually until Marvel Studios like, fuck this. We need to make our own studio and do our properties right. <laughs> and and they're making another Jay and Silent Bob, right? Did you see the trailer for that? I saw, I saw the trailer for that, yeah. <laughs> it looks hysterical. It, I'm, I'm going to go see that. I'm going to go see that because Smith hasn't had a comedy like this in a long time since Clerks 2. And, you know, we did we did the soundtrack of The Wire. And I'm, the guy who, um, the driver, I forget his name, um, he usually tours with, with Dave Chappelle. He was in the Chappelle show a uh, little, like, he's a he's a bald guy. Um, he oh, played uh, Damien. Uh, Donnell and, Rollins. Yeah. He, 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 plays, plays, he played Day Day. He's in the trailer. He plays the cop. He's like, come out with your heads up. <laughs> and playing a cop, though. That's funny. Yeah. And then and then they, they come out, and then he's doing the, the tuck from uh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're still doing that. They've been doing it as his clerks, too. Yeah. They just keep making fun of that movie, man. And I mean, it's a, it's a movie that you can make a lot of fun of. It I is. Mean, it is. There's a lot of it until you can parody, no doubt. Yeah. So uh, I, think it, I think it looks awesome. And I, I'm glad that Kevin Smith is... Uh, is really coming out and keeping the keeping the the series alive. You know, I'm glad because after Tusk, I was like, "What the fuck were you doing?" <laughs> that movie, I saw Tusk and I was like, "Did you see that movie?" No, I didn't see it. Or he takes basically it's body horror pretty much, and he takes a dude, kidnaps a guy, and like turns him into a human walrus, like chops his legs off, adds up to other people's skin. it adds like a bone to his almost. It's disgusting. I know with a cringer laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's like the human centipede. Jeez. Yeah, I don't know. Some some directors uh, should stick to to one genre, right? <laughs> yeah, not body hard. I don't work with Smith. It's like, oh, were you trying to be Cronenberg? Yeah, no, no, no. Nobody could be Cronenberg, but yeah. Let's jump into the soundtrack, man. So this yeah. is an awesome soundtrack. Um, yeah, the soundtrack of the film, dude. When I saw this in a theater. I was breaking out my Shazam every two minutes because they had a cool song like on every every few minutes. I'm like, what is this? I got to add this to my iPod when I go home. Yeah. I mean, it was just a real incredible soundtrack. And I mean, I learned a lot about music through some of the songs because some of these I didn't know. Yeah, me but neither. I was like, damn, this is a good song. Um, so we, you know, jump into the first song here by uh, 10CC, I'm Not In Love. Um I really like how they use this song here for the essentially the opening scene. Oh yeah, and Peter's mother is passing away, and the band name too, Ten CC. Like I think of like a hospital when I hear that. Ten that, cubic centimeters. Yeah, it's usually used by um, it's a term used by doctors when they administer medications. It is. So uh, I like how they kind of that. I thought that was real clever um, by the music supervisor and the director James Gunn. But um, yeah, this is a. Uh, have you heard this song before? Because I the only I hadn't heard this song before, but by 10CC, the only song they ever did that I had heard prior to this was Dreadlock Holiday. Okay, I heard it in the movie Snatch. Okay, yeah, and and I and I guess the um they're they're an English progressive rock band, so I guess it kind of makes sense that Guy Ritchie, him being English, yeah, that he would use it. Yeah, yeah, and Dreadlock Holiday was a hit and. This song, I don't know if it actually charted at all, but it sounds like it could have at some point. Yeah, it's and like mellow and very lush. Yeah, and I think I think that's like perfect for this scene. Really, I mean, um, it kind of fits in with the the, the loss know, of a parent. Yeah, the 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 theme and the emotion. Like, plus I think the lyrics also kind of play off of the kind of troubled relationship between Peter and his mom, where he doesn't essentially doesn't take her hand and then she passes away. Yeah, he's in denial about her dying. Yeah. Yeah. And if we look at the lyrics, it says, I like to see you. But then again, that doesn't mean you mean that much to me. So if I call you, don't make a fuss. 
don't let your friends about the two don't let don't tell your friends about the two of us i'm not in love no no it's because you could be interpreted as that too yeah and, and it's like or the way the writer intended it originally like the telling a girl like what we have is just a fling that's it i'm not in love with you yeah so um or his relationship to earth because right after his mother dies and he runs out of the hospital he gets taken right away from earth and he's what 10 years old and it's 1988 yeah yeah, so his relationship with Earth is pretty much gone. Yeah. And and it's and it's lampshaded by Avengers Endgame. No, I mean Avengers Infinity War that came out in 2018. They they lampshaded that when Pete, when Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark's character makes fun of him for not <laughs> or a line where he says, where Stark realizes that Quill is from Earth, he's like, You're from Earth. I'm not from Earth, I'm from Missouri. Yeah, Missouri is on Earth, you dipshit. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> The um yeah man I I, I love Robbie Robert Downey Jr. man I think he's such a great actor he has or as he puts it an incredibly gifted faker because <laughs> when they when they casted him for Iron Man back in two thousand seven I was like okay given what I know about the character's backstory and his personal history with being an alcoholic they got the right guy for this yeah and when they showed the trailer I'm like this is going to be big yeah and Lord knows even though it was released before the Dark Knight and the Dark Knight was a better film I think. I can't deny Iron Man. It le- it left its mark. Yeah, I thought it was a great idea, a great film. And I'm sorry, and brought back to Robert Downey Jr.'s career. That Sherlock Holmes and Tropic Thunder. Yeah, and I, you know, I loved I loved to see comebacks, and I thought, you know, I was just really happy for him that he kind of got his stuff together and and is back on screen, just ki- just killing it, you know. Yeah, him and Mickey Rourke the same year with the wrestler too, and Rourke later appeared in Iron Man two as the main villain. Nice, nice. Um, so we go to our next song here. It's by Redbone, Come and Get Your Love. I think this is perfect as well. <laughs> perfect song to use. You know, Peter, I think he's what he's running to his ship, or he's already in his ship escaping. And then um Or going to look for he's going inside that place looking oh, wait, for the orb. I'm sorry. I jumped ahead of myself. Yeah. Uh he's looking for the orb and and um you know, he's kind of kicking those, yeah, those with creatures. He's still got the Walkman, the the, the tape player, cassette tape player, the Sony Walkman. Walkman, his mother, his mother gave him with the with the where awesome, does he get the, yeah, awesome mix. Yeah, where does he get the batteries for that though? It's been like 20, 20 something years since he's been away from Earth. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. They recharge batteries with the technology they got, or I don't know, but I think you, I think you pointed out some uh, story continuity issues there, right? They'll, 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 they'll figure something out. I mean, <laughs> what's it called? By the second film, he's using a Microsoft Zoom, and that's two thousand fourteen. A good two years after the Zoom was discontinued. So uh, a little bit of technology evolution there, right? More or less, yeah. <laughs> but this song, yeah, coming, coming, get your love. The first time I heard this was actually the cover version of it when I was in middle school by. The uh, the techno electronic group, the Real McCoy. Okay. Yeah. So, but this version, this original version, I like this one better. Yeah, and this is uh, I like how you know he's singing it and he's kicking those like like creatures, and he picks one of them up and starts like he kind of uses it as a prop, like as a, <laughs> or a, a microphone. microphone. Yeah. Yeah. It's like kind of funny but disturbing at the same time. I a, mean, a little bit. Yeah. It's like, dude, dude, dude. I hope you didn't hurt that thing. But at the same time, it like it really is a good counterpoint from from the somberness of the opening scene and like a uh, transition to this kind of a humor. Yeah. Up, upbeat with a upbeat pop song playing. Yeah. It almost reminded me of that scene in uh, Tim Burton's like the first Batman where like, like uh, Jack Nicholson party man. That yeah. One. And they have the like music playing. He's going through just like trashing, trashing, every, and trashing all the paintings. Yeah. Yeah. That scene is funny. I love that scene. Yeah. I mean, I loved, I love that movie. I, that's my favorite Batman movie is uh, Tim Burton's uh, version. The, the original. The yeah. original. Yeah. I thought, Mine too. Yeah. 
Jack Nicholson was just incredible. And, and Keaton was the best Batman, I thought. Yeah, in my opinion. Although I, Bale, I'm sorry, Bale was the best Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think with the growling and everything, the screaming and stuff. Swear I to me, it was just a little too much. It was, yeah. I would take you more seriously if your boy, if his voice as Batman wasn't so wasn't so laughable. Yeah, yeah. I think he overdid that a little bit, but. Yeah, this song is great, man. Um, I think it also works, you know, works well with the scene. Um, you know, it, ref- it kind of references the orb indirectly, and all um, the and all the characters, the main characters that are part of the Guardians crew, including Quill, because come and get your love. They're all bounty hunters, criminals. Yeah, going after money. That's their love. And this is essentially like, in so many words, come and get your money, right? Like, Pretty much, yeah. Come and steal the orb. <laughs> but the orb turns out to be more than more than anyone thought it would be. Yeah. So then we go to our next track. Uh, it's by the Raspberries. Oh, I love this song. I like it. Go all the way. Yeah, when I heard it, when I heard that, yeah. I was like, "What is this?" Brought my Shazam. Out. I was like, "Hope no one's looking at me. Yeah. Get mad right now that my light's showing." <laughs> I want to know this song, goddamn! I don't wait till I don't want to wait till I go home. <laughs> so surprised no one like went off on you in the movie theater. <laughs> Probably because they were doing the same thing too. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this this is a great song. It works real well with the scene. Um, essentially, Peter finds that uh, what's it? Uh, Barit's her name? Or <laughs> you remember her name before he did? <laughs> yeah. he, he didn't even remember her name. He's like, oh, uh, hey, uh, how did you get here? <laughs> I thought you weren't here. <laughs> Barit. I, in all honesty, I didn't even know you were here when I took off. Like, <laughs> at least you're honest. Yeah, and I mean, like the, the the song title go all the way definitely references to sex there and it's um, a, and it's a reference to star trek too because what's it all you got peter quill star lord and he's got some some alien chicky so he's smashing and we know captain kirk smashed everything in the galaxy even the <laughs> ugly chicks <laughs> oh my god man <laughs> but uh yeah i mean this is a it's a great track and um you know uh you know i didn't know that much about this band initially the raspberries but me neither um, I miss they're the British pop band from the seventies, very influenced by the British invasion, like bands like the Beatles, um, you know, bands like the who, et cetera. So, um, they, they felt more punk to me with this song right here. Go yeah. All the way, yeah. Yeah. It sounded like a little more, you know, of a punk vibe there, hard rock vibe, but yeah, that's, uh, that's the information I got off of them from my research, but, um, yeah, it was, it's a great song. Definitely, I'm definitely gonna buy it probably, or you know. Oh, you uh, find it on vinyl, dude. You yeah, yeah, it's it's a great one. But then we go to the next the next song, Blue Blue Swede. This is this is such the way this song was used is such dark humored. It's like, okay, kids are gonna be laughing at this, but they're not gonna see it with the same humor that an adult sees it as with. Yeah, it's blue. The band is Blue Swede, hooked on a feeling, and uh, essentially the scene is you know Peter. Uh, Gamora, Rocket, and Groot are they're in prison. Yeah, you know, on the kiln. Yeah, where the Nova Corps, where they hide all, the, where they, that's where they imprison all the people. Yeah, and um, <laughs> it's just an hysterical scene. I mean, with the, with the imagery, the the visuals, kind of reminded me of like movies like Shawshank Redemption, where Andy's getting sprayed? sprayed down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's kind of just scenes there. I'm like. Are they kind of like trying to poke fun at Shawshank Redemption? Like, they, they did the same thing in Deadpool too, where they sprayed him in order to get a, te- a reaction to get his power out of him, and with Mister Sandman playing in the background. Yeah, yeah, that that it did remind me of that uh-huh. that scene as well when Deadpool. So it's just like you just would. I wasn't expecting to hear a song like this, but it's got a lot of dark humor to it. And speaking of Shawshank, uh, what's it called? I was thinking because it was such a box office failure, right? But a critically critically acclaimed. Yeah. 
it's still you see how it's still parody to movies like the, the ones we just mentioned, right? Deadpool and Guardians as well. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember the Naked Gun Part Three where they kept just making parodying it left and right for the Oscar ceremony they had in there? Yeah. What's gonna be the best picture? They were looking for like a bomb, right? An actual bomb in the, <laughs> the award ceremony. He finds the award, the note, the note, and the award for best picture. Is this it? Okay, it's the bomb. This is it. And then Shawshank Redemption people get up and they like, thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody. Oh my god, that's only, funny. Only it was called Sawdust and Mildew, who's what the movie was called. Sawdust and Mildew. Yeah. Oh my god. And then they kind of also played off of it in that movie where like uh, Leslie Nielsen's in the prison and he's like kicking his shoes and all the oh, sand dirt comes out. And it comes out as a giant pile. That he's yeah. sitting on top of yeah, getting and playing baseball. Getting rid of the dirt was no problem. I'm like, wow. That movie, man, then all the Naked Gun movies are just hysterical. They are. They are. The first one, that has the most replay value for me. The second one has the most the most political in-jokes. And then they had O.J. Simpson as well. And all all three of them, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was I, so funny. It was before, yeah, like before, he went, before he went and killed his wife. Yeah. Uh, it, it was, I, um, I said it. He did it. <laughs> uh, you know what's crazy is that I was watching something on YouTube, and it was um, – the comedian Steve Harvey, yeah, and he was interviewing uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Uh-huh. for like the I think it was the TV movie he did on OJ, OJ. yeah, yeah, and he was he didn't even hold back. He's like, I just want to stop you for a second, Cuba. He's like, and I'm just gonna say this: OJ killed those people. Like he's like, there's no question. Like yeah. he just like stopped them and like said it with a straight face. And I was just like, whoa! Like my jaw dropped. I was like, you you, you thought Steve Harvey would have just like stood in to say OJ didn't do it? I, I didn't know what he was going to say. I think I was just shocked. At, like I was very surprised that uh, he felt so strongly <laughs> and decided to share his uh, opinion on it. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. I mean, I remember when the verdict came out when I was in seventh grade. And I remember that day because Pepsi products were on sale, like at every supermarket you go to. And when the verdict happened, it's just like Chris Rock said, black people are too happy, white people are too mad. Yeah, he was like, people, we had people going around talking about, we won, we won. I'm like, he did this shit. Even back then, I'm like, the evidence is all against him. And yeah, never yeah. Mind, never it, mind. it was just a feeling of mixed emotions. <laughs> and, and plus, he, he probably pretty much shot himself in the foot years later when he put that book out, If I Did It. This is how I would do it. <laughs> you know, it's like, are you crazy, man? Are like, you crazy? Yeah, that's like an inheritance, a dead giveaway. Idiot. Idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy stuff, you know? <laughs> but, it is. Uh, it is. But, um, and this scene, too, where you mentioned that he calls it, or Peter Quill calls the guard a blue bastard while he's getting electrocuted. <laughs> blue electricity. Yeah. Yeah, blue suede. Yeah, there's like definitely some, uh, some humor there. Yeah, there's some, there's some meta humor, meta commentary in there. Like they did that shit on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, it's hysterical, man. And you, you uh, mentioned it was used in the TV show, Ally McBeal. Yeah. Yeah. It was used there as well. And I was like, because I played the song off of YouTube and I heard that like, Ooga Chaka, Ooga Chaka, Ooga Ooga. And then I was and like, Res- I know this song. Reservoir yeah. Dogs too. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty awesome that they used it in this setting, but, um, it, it was, it, it, it was great. It was a really great, um, I like how song they used it. Yeah. It was hysterical watching it in the theater too. Yeah, and a lot of the and the fact that they got all these songs in here, it's like okay, how much did your budget cost? Just your music budget was it more than the film itself? Yeah, I mean you gotta wonder, right? I mean, yeah, I mean they re- they recoup no doubt. I mean, the yeah, film the film was big a success. Yeah, I mean, and you know, going to our next song by David Bowie, uh, Moonage uh, Daydream, this is probably one of the top songs I think that was in there. 
Um, and I love how it kind of, uh, it kind of meshed really well with the like space theme and like, oh, yeah. like futuristic kind of theme. Cause you know, David Bowie was all about that kind of psychedelic, the psychedelic sci-fi thing, especially back in the seventies with the Ziggy Stardust character. Yeah. And that album is just so epic. Like, it is on so many levels. This was a movie that made me want to go out and buy that album. I went to CD Depot on route one yeah. and found the album there. It's like, okay, let me just bring this home. Cause the only song I really know of here is Starman. Yeah, but this song "Moonage Daydream" it like I made it made me want to check it out even more. It's like okay, this is one of the best purchases I made. And and David Bowie, you know, not to go on a total tangent, but he, the, that range of that guy. I mean, he was a he was in movies. I mean, he was a musician. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm trying to remember that movie he was in. It was like a futuristic movie as well with uh, Emilio Estevez. He plays like a he plays like a a cop or something going after Emilio Estevez. Not what's it called, Free Jack. Might be that one. I'm not sure. Where Emilio Estevez is a race car driver, and he gets he gets killed, but his body gets sent sent into the future. And Anthony Hopkins and Mick Jagger they're in it as well. So it's Rene Russo. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that that's the one. I don't remember David Bowie being in it. Maybe, maybe. All right. No. I'm. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm. I'm getting David Bowie mixed up with Mick Jagger. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and additionally, J- David Johansson was in that film too. I feel like I feel like David Bowie was in a movie though. He, Labyrinth is the only movie I can remember okay. being in. Yeah, maybe that was it. Maybe, sorry. <laughs> and but you're right, his versatility though, in, in spanning genres. I mean, pop, hard rock, and even funk. Like what's it called? The song of fame. Yeah, remember that song? The first time I heard that song was in a movie. Was in Next Friday, the Ice Cube movie. Next Friday. Really? The scene where we see Pinky, the Jerry curled driver who dresses in pink garb most of the time. The scene where we see him get out of his limo and he starts talking shit to his driver. That fame <laughs> song was playing in the background. Nice. I'm like, but that scene though, I can't, that scene is still funny to this day. That guy, that guy, you just hate him. Like he's an easy guy to hate in that movie. That character. <laughs> yes, yeah. The whole time you just want to beat him up. I mean, uh, you, you do. It's like, what's it called? You, you talking shit to your driver, talking about he almost, he almost made you spill your liquor on your two hundred dollars suit. Your two hundred dollars suit. You act like that's just worth two thousand. Yeah, I mean. That what a great movie though. That movie's funny as hell. Still, I hope they come out with the fourth one though. Yeah, yeah, that would be great. That would be great. But the lyrics for this song and "Moonage Daydream" just fit up so so well with the the scene of you know Peter Quill's holding a ray gun, and then when you go back to the lyrics, you know, keep your electric eye on me, babe. Put your ray gun to my head. And press go- your space face close to mine. And they're going inside of a giant celestial head is where the collector is residing at, and it looks like a and it looks like a mining colony too. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like a dead galactic corpse planet, as you called it. Yeah. Nowhere is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Then the next one, the next song by Rupert Holmes, Escape. The, the, <laughs> this is like the where the, the comedic value kind of is at it as that, uh, uh, you know, if you want highest. Me, exactly. <laughs> like if you want people to let, if you want people to know that you got like a big modicum of humor in your film, put this song in there. <laughs> yeah. I like pina coladas. Because <laughs> I've heard this in so many movies. Mars Attacks, Grown Ups. Yeah. Uh, this one. I always think of a beach when I hear this movie or hear this, hear that song. Pina Coladas. Yeah. 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 And I'd never even had a Pina Colada on the beach before at all. Yeah. And the song, you would think it like the song title would have something related to Pina Coladas, but it's called Escape. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Because that's, that's true. That's true. Because that's what, that's what they're trying to do at that point. Yeah. Escape from, from, from Kiln or what's it called? Or, uh, yes. Escape (laughs) from wherever the hell they're at. Kiln or the collector's area. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and Quill's not leaving like, fuck that. I'm not leaving until I get my Walkman back. <laughs> and they're all angry about him. They're waiting for him in the ship. And they're like, what the hell is he doing? Like, you, And Drax's like, you went back for this? Yes. You're an imbecile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. And, wait, Drax is such a literalist, though. That's what makes it funny. Yeah. And like, it's so funny how they write his like words in the, in the, the script. It's like he just talks like overly serious, you know? He, he is. Yeah. And it's like, and this, and Drax, I knew about, he, he's a character I knew about, but he wasn't one of the guardians that I grew up on neither. I knew about him because. He's actually a weapon against Thanos, who they show in the film, Josh Brolin's character, right? Yeah. Drax is is actually a human, just like Quill is. He's a real estate agent who got killed by Thanos, but Thanos' dad and Thanos' grandfather took took his soul, put him inside an indestructible body, and gave him a a monomaniacal desire just to kill Thanos. Okay. Which is what he tries to do in the film when he calls Thanos and Ronan down down to the collector's area. He's like, you idiot. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what are you doing, man? Yeah, and the Guardians are looking at him like you stupid fuck. He's just trying to face off with them and like be to, macho. Yeah, be macho. Yeah, it's like, dude, there's no subtlety about you at all. Yeah, and then he got <laughs> beat down, right? Yeah, he got beat down. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, um, this song's funny though, man. Like when they're playing it, and you think they're just playing it in the background, but then when when um, you know Quill walks into like the, like that the blue guy his like office, you see him actually listening to that song on his headphones mm-hmm. on, and he you just you see him turn and then he hits him with the orb, right? Yeah, he hits him right, right in the, the head. Mm-hmm. I thought that was funny. <laughs> you don't mess with you don't mess with somebody's Walkman, man. Yes, yeah, in his case, yeah, that has sentimental value to it too. Yeah, so. Uh, pretty hysterical then we go to our next song by elvin bishop uh fooled around and fell in love so this is played when peter's essentially trying to seduce gamora yeah but she will says i will not succumb to your pelvic sorcery (laughs) pelvic sorcery i'm like i want to use that yeah that's a good one right it is yeah and this song by elvin bishop we we just talked about the pina colada song a few moments ago and I had heard that in Adam in the Adam Sandler movie Grown Ups, this <laughs> Elvin Bishop song. I heard that years prior to Grown Ups in another Adam Sandler movie. Uh, what's it called? A uh, Big Daddy. Yeah. Yeah. The scene where him and the boy are at the bar watching the watching the uh, the goddamn Jets. <laughs> yeah, that's what they are today since they're playing New England, by the way. But anywho. Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a blowout. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, they can kiss, yeah, the Jets can kiss their season down the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's going to be. It's not going to be a very interesting game because it's going to be like a 60-point game, I'm sure. Oh, probably. Probably. It's going to be like how, what's it called, when Maryland, when they beat, what's it called, Howard University, like 70-something to zero. Yeah. That was horrible. And they got Cam Newton's brother as a quarterback at Howard. And they were not protecting that fool at all. Yeah. I think some of the some of those colleges actually, they get money for playing like the better, like higher, better like conference teams. Even if they lose. Yeah. yeah. They get paid like a lot of money. Blue chips. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's the crazy way the uh, NCAA works, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Crazy still, even now. Yeah. Yeah, this this scene, though, where um, where Star-Lord is trying to seduce Gamora by having her listen to the Walkman, trying to teach her about music and the art of seduction in the process. But it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't. I think his charm fails. His charm fails. He tried, to, he tried earlier with her, too, when she was talking about his ship. Yeah. Talking about how his ship is unclean and it's filthy. And then he he retorts back by saying, "Oh yeah, you're right. If you put a black light on it, it looked like a Jackson Pollock painting." And I was like, 
How did they get that pat? Yeah, well, kids won't get that, but I got it. Oh, like yeah. How did they get that through? Right, the ratings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the first place I heard that was Entourage with Seth Green's character saying it to Eric. Oh, like talk well, about a character I hated on that show was Seth Green's character. Yeah, he's playing himself to a, a fictionalized version of himself. I'm like you're not even playing James, like how James Woods was playing, and he was funny. Yeah, drama. Give me my fucking tickets. <laughs> and shove your head up turtle's ass give me my fucking tickets he pretty much has an outburst like like in any given sunday he just loses his mind and... <laughs> his part was funny he's like the second stringer he fell off what the bench yeah he just like he has so many zingers in that movie like, he does he does yeah it's it, it's great but um this song you know I don't, i'm not very familiar with elvin bishop i mean as an artist of I guess it's uh, he's a blues musician, right? Uh, English blues music musician, yeah. And the version of this song they played in the film was the album version because they were playing lyrics in there that I hadn't even heard in the song before, and which makes me realize I've been hearing the single version all these years. Yeah, and the, and the lyrics I think really highlight how Peter Quill is kind of a womanizer. I must have been through a million girls. I love them, uh, and I'd leave them alone. I didn't care how much they cried. No, sir. Their tears left me cold as a stone, but then I fooled around and fell in love. Yeah, which is true because he does like Gamora a lot. He does, He is in love with her, and by Avengers Infinity War, we'll see how, how deep it goes. Yeah. Then we have the Runaways, right? That's our next song, Cherry oh. Bomb. Oh, yeah. They, 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 these, these chicks, they, they could rock hard. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of, um, oh, God, what was that band, that rock band that had um, uh, the, was it the, oh, God, I'm blanking on it right now. I saw them at HF Festival. The Donnas, that's what it was. Take it off. Yeah, yeah. The, na, 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 na. Yeah, the Donnas. Mean, yeah. yeah, that's that. Sorry, I was having a memory lapse there. Me too, me too. I was figuring you were going to say that, but I wanted to see who you said first before I jump in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I needed help there. I may have needed help there for a second, but, uh, this song is pretty awesome. I like how like it's really aggressive sounding, punk rockish kind of. Like, oh yeah, they're yeah. headed they're headed about to Xandar to bring the fight to Ronan. Yeah. yeah, it's a good song to kind of like kind of g's up the audience and it gets you pumped up. Yeah, you watch as they're yeah. getting ready for the fight too. It's like their eye of the tiger job. Like yeah, exactly. And uh, I think it's a it's a perfect song to use. And Cherry Bomb, like Hello World. Yeah, we're coming back to Xandar. We are gonna fuck y'all up. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of we were talking about the wire that one song by um, Iggy Pop, that one that it was uh, like where where Ziggy gets uh, kind of thrown out of his car by Method Man. Oh yeah, yeah, he's pulled out of the car. They take his car and just leave him with that broke ass coat. Yeah, uh, I'm like, you had a bad morning, dude. Yeah, yeah, that, that character <laughs> feels so bad for him. You get punked by Frog, and then you get punked by by Cheese Wagstaff. Yeah. And then your car gets burned. Right? Oh, yeah. And <laughs> Nick's like, well, you won't have to worry about car insurance no more, Zig. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, man, The Wire, what a great show. But, Best um, show of all time. Then we go to our next song by The Five Stair Steps. Ooh, child. I, heard, I first heard this song in the movie Boys in the Hood. Yeah. Yeah, the flashback scene in 1984, right before it transitions to 1991. Okay. Yeah, it was it was a dope song how they used, and they juxtaposed in the background with a Doughboy and Lil' Chris getting arrested. Like, this just this, this ain't going to be the first time. They're going to get arrested a lot and be in jail and be ex-cons before they're 17-year-olds. Yeah. And uh, John Singleton, he did that movie? He right? wrote and directed the movie. Yeah, that was the movie that really... That was the directorial debut. That's what broke him in. And that movie, he got an Oscar nomination for Best Director for that. The youngest director to get an Oscar nod for a film. And it's culturally, culturally significant enough to be preserved by Congress. Yeah. And... and- a lot of actors like that 
you know, help get them onto the the spot as well. I mean, Lawrence Fishburne, I think, was in it, right? Yeah, he was, yeah. Um, Cuba, Gooding Cuba, Cuba Gooding Jr. was in it. Was Ice, Ice Cube, Cube? Ice Cube was in there. Ice Cube was in it, too, and that established that, what's it called? Okay, he can act. Yeah. Morris Chestnut, and who else? Angela Bassett. Right. Samuel L. Jackson wasn't in that, right? No, he I'm wasn't. I'm thinking of another. Was that 187? Or? That was 187, yeah, when he was okay. a teacher. Right. Yeah, that, it's just an incredible movie. Um, yeah, the way it was an incredible movie, even now. And Singleton's legacy lives on through the um, through the TV series uh, Snowfall. Yeah, may he rest in peace. R.I.P. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they're gonna do a season four, but they had to do season three even after he even after he passed away because he had the hand he had in that. Yeah, I have to finish that series. I saw like one episode and it seemed like really really good. It was, it was good. Yeah, the, the season three finale. I need to watch it again because I remember being staunchly disappointed by it. Like, this is how it ends. Yeah. How do you think it like stacks up against power? It's more realistic than power. Power is too. Power. They have too many logical fallacies, and right. especially this final season of Power. I'm I'm just like, what the fuck are y'all doing? And uh, 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 yeah, I can't. I'm going to watch this till the very end just to see how it goes out because y'all got to do me better than how Game of Thrones did me this year. Yeah, definitely. This song, man, it's there's a couple of different like funny moments, but this song really, I was so surprised that they, they did this. And even towards like the end, when you think there's going to be like, they're just going to break into the fight scene. He just like stops and that song comes on. He starts dancing. <laughs> he starts dancing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone was like, you know, they were just thinking that that was going to happen next. And then, you know, it kind of surprised everybody. It did surprise everybody. People in the audience were laughing. I was laughing at that, too. It's like, what the fuck is he doing? Yeah. And I just like how they they inject a lot of comedy in this movie because, like, it can kind of uh, – it just makes it – kind of switches it up, gives it a little more spice, I feel like. It does. That's what makes it unlike the other Marvel movies. And plus, they added elements of, like, what's it called? The X-Men characters uh, – the Star Jammers. Yeah. Yeah, who are intergalactic space pirates as well, too, led by an Earth human. Yeah, they added a lot of their adventure and a lot of their humor. They added a lot of that swashbuckling things into this Guardians incarnation as well, which is yeah. what I think. And Michael Michael Rooker, right? He's in? He's, he's in, in it, too. Yeah, he plays Yondu. He's blue-skinned, which made me think he was one of the Kree, like like Ronan. But nah, he's he's not. He's a bounty hunter as well. And he survives into the second Guardians, Volume 2. Yeah, I like I like him as an actor. He's been in so many films, like Days of Thunder. Um, you uh, know. Mississippi Burning. Yeah. Uh, uh, cliffhanger yeah i mean he's been in so many movies and he was in true detective season three. Oh, oh, he is yeah he is yeah oh that's awesome yeah i think he's like really underrated he just gets more like supporting roles he played henry didn't he the serial killer henry oh in what movie the mess that's the name of the movie henry the henry okay yeah i've never seen that um but yeah he was he was uh he was good in days of thunder i liked him in that movie he oh i like him too uh Rowdy, I think uh-huh. right. yeah, and John C. Riley's and and Days of Thunder, and he's in this. And he's movie. in this movie as well, too. Yes, not, <laughs> that's a good segue, not right just, there. Not just coincidence. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. And then, like, it, he's playing the same John C. Riley. I mean, like in Step Brothers, practically. Pretty <laughs> much, yeah. I mean, I look at him, I just see like the the, the red curly hair and that face, and like this. That's that's, that's the Irish guy I've seen in almost every movie. Yeah, he's got the beer gut, you know. In this mm-hmm. movie, it's like you know. He he looked that way in State of Grace, too, in 1990 when he was a young man. It's so funny because I feel like he was more of a serious actor 
And then he kind of like branched out into comedy with Will Ferrell and got more known for that. Yeah. Cause like he was in some serious movies like perfect storm. He was in days of thunder. Uh, you know, I'm probably missing a few, but, uh, other ones, <laughs> uh, Magnolia, he was in that. Yeah. I felt like he was more of a serious actor initially, but then but Bradley Cooper, him too. I mean, what blew him up was the hangover. Yeah. But he was in a lot and of wedding other... crashers too. Before that. Yeah. A year yeah, before wedding crashers. I was like five years before. No, it's 2005, four years before, before the hangover. Yeah. Yeah. But since then, even before that, he was like having guest appearances on law and orders and whatnot. Yeah. But since Hangover, his career blew up, too. He's got, like, three Oscar nominations under his belt, and he can do comedy and drama and superhero films. Yeah. I mean, his range is just He's got range, incredible. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it was pretty – that's why this movie is just so awesome. And just with the – not only the music, but the cameos that you have and, like, the comedy and – Oh, yeah, they bring Stan Lee in there. They, got, they had to do the Stan Lee cameo all the time while he was still alive. Yeah. Yeah, that was great. And then they have like you know Josh Brol Josh Brolin in it. Yeah, they show Josh Brolin as Thanos at last. Yeah, I mean they showed a little a few other cameos in before that as Thanos, but this one where he this is the one where he had more speaking role. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's just I like what they're doing with the Marvel like you know movies. They're mixing they're mixing it up. You know you're getting some some movies like Deadpool and then this one Gar Guardians in the Galaxy where it's comedy. You know you get a lot of comedy in it. Then you know they have serious more serious movies. Oh yeah, um, they, just they keep it. They kind of mix it up, and they're, they I keep mean, it fresh. I mean, they keep the humor. Marvel Studios and all their twenty-two movies, they keep the humor in it. But I think this one, Guardians, is where the first one where they took the real. Well, they knew they were taking a chance, and they decided to inject as much modicum of humor as they could in there, but still tell a story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And this scene with Chris Pratt dancing around. <laughs> I was like, wow, he's really, you know, he's branched out. He's doing more comedy and he did a really good job with this. He like, did good with this. Yeah. I mean, they were going to get somebody else for Star-Lord before Pratt signed on. I'm glad he did because I don't see nobody else playing Star-Lord but him. Yeah. Yeah. This was uh, funny. And then the, this song comes on and, and you're just like, what is he doing? He's like, dance off, bro. Dance yeah. Off. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, what? Like, Ron is like, what are you doing? Like. Yeah, he. I'm like he's he's from he's from the 1980s Earth. Really, he hasn't evolved since then. I mean, since then it's called pants off, dance off. Yeah, and like what's it called? And and by Avengers: Infinity War, they show just how far removed he's been from Earth for as long. How how he's been away for so long. Spider Man, the Tom Holland Spider Man, he makes a reference to him saying, "We're gonna do a plan, something similar to Footloose," and he's like, "Exactly like Footloose." Is it still the greatest movie ever, dude? It never was the greatest movie ever. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and you could go, you could, you could say a lot of funny things about Footloose. <laughs> you could, yeah. Now you could, yeah. Yeah, and they and they have like a lot of pop culture references in this film too. That the things that I hadn't even heard since I was a kid, like when Star Lord when he refers to Rocket Raccoon as Ranger Rick. Yeah, I'm like I remember those Ranger Rick books. Wow, <laughs> I'm like that is a throwback. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like pop culture references in this movie. And he calls and he calls Groot the Giving Tree. <laughs> the Giving Tree. Yeah. Jeez. Then we go to our next song by Marvin Gaye and uh, T Tammy Terrell, Ain't No Mountain High Enough, which I think this was, uh, you know, another great song to put in there. Um, very famous. And uh, it's, it has a lot of positivity there. It does. Yeah. And it's a way to cap off the movie with what's it called with um, Quill opening the gift, the last gift that his mother left him, a gift he hasn't even opened. Yeah. He never even opened at all in 20 years since he's been away from Earth. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I, I think it's just a... 
again, they're just bringing in a lot of great music. And I'm, I wonder the, the, sec- the volume, the, the volume two, they up to Annie. Yeah. I mean, the music supervisor that they picked for this film is, man, he really knows his stuff. I got to tip my hat off to the guy. I mean, he picked a lot of good things that keep me looking, looking on my phone like, okay, what song is this? Yeah. And I hope they do the same thing when they do Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. And James Gunn, hopefully, will still be on directing it. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, he has a music background as well. I think he's a musician. So, oh, yeah? so I, you know, I think him and the music supervisor probably had a lot of collaboration and picked some really great songs. Well, well, it shows. It shows and it definitely worked because the music is a big part of the Guardians film. It helps him tell the story. Yeah. And when you think about it from a business perspective, you can sell the soundtrack, too. You know, you did the Guardians volume one and two, the album soundtracks. Those were some of Marvel's best selling soundtracks they had. Yeah. And I like how they like use the tape, you know, the tape recorder, you know, the cassette cassette. Yeah. And it said awesome, awesome mix volume one. Yeah, It's like the, it's like the same kind we used to make back in the day. We used to tape the songs on the radio. Yeah. And then like, you know, with the next, you know, with the next movie. I'm sure the soundtrack was called Awesome Awesome Mix Volume Two, right? Like, yeah. I mean, it's just like I don't know. The cool, it's cool marketing. You know? it, it is. It is. And and the and the even the channels by which he gets his music in this film, it's a cassette player, right? In the second film, it becomes a Microsoft Zoom MP3 player. But the third <laughs> film, Spotify. Yeah. Yeah, maybe or like an iPhone or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because you're, right, you're right. Nobody uses. Well, I still use my iPod, but it's like. I like to compartmentalize it and go on doing everything through my phone. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's like a watch or something. The uh, iWatch or whatever. Or maybe. Maybe. They'll find some way to do some product placement, right? I mean, they will. They will. Some kind of pop pop culture product placement that will keep things relevant. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's smart, though. It smart is. Smart business. It is smart business. Yeah. So then we go to our last song by Jackson 5. I Want You Back. I mean, this is like the classic. I mean, I, don't, I think most people know this song when oh, they hear it. They know this one. Yeah, they chose a lot of the positive, a lot of positive R and B seventy songs at the end of the film. Yeah, and um, you know, this is played when Drax is cleaning his uh, knife, and, and Groot is Groot is growing back now, but in baby form. Yeah, and it was just funny because you know he would like Drax would look over and then like it would like you know Groot was saying still it's like the it's like that frog, the yeah. WB frog. Like, hello, my baby. Hello, my honey. Then he starts <laughs> acting all silent and shit when, when was it called? When he has to perform in front of other people. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot, a lot of uh, funny comedy there. And um, so Michael Jackson was in Jackson 5, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, okay. a, he was a main singer. Main singer. And then and he was a kid. All of his brothers. Yeah, I was like surprised. I thought for a second maybe Janet was a part of it. But then mm-hmm. I guess she wasn't. I saw her actually a couple months ago in Vegas performing. Oh. Oh, I'd like to see her. I'd like to see her. Yeah, dude, the dancing was incredible. She's, mean, and she still got it, too. She's like 50-something. Yeah. I mean, I, and I was just like, wow, you look the same, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, black don't crack. <laughs> but uh, it was a great show, man. It was just awesome. I believe it. It was, it was I incredible. Be- I believe it. Yeah, the gar- yeah, as for what's it called, as for um the, the, the sequel for the movie, The Gardens of the Galaxy Part 2, Volume 2, they use more music in there. I think it was a better film. I think it was a better film than this one, actually. Yeah. Slightly better because it told more of a story. Kurt Russell's in it, and so is Stallone. Awesome. So I'm thinking that's awesome. I'm thinking Tango and Cash. Yeah. Yeah, that, well, that's not coincidence. Yeah, they had to do something like to play off that. But... Yeah, they had to. They had to. They don't got no screen time together, but anybody who's seen films will put two and two together. Yeah, another thing I wanted to mention about this movie is the first um, Guardians of the Galaxy. It reminded me a lot of um, The Fifth Element. There's some elements in there, so to speak. Yeah. They have one of the actors 
I'm blanking on his name, but he was playing like the storekeeper when Peter would come in to try to sell the. Uh, I didn't want to sell to him when he realized he, Yondu or whatever was after him. Yeah, he he was in the Fifth Element, and he played like one of the like scientists or whatever. He was. Yeah, and um, it's just like it, it. It was funny because like the little like those little police vehicles or guard vehicles that would fly with the machine guns. Yeah, kind of reminded me of like the uh, the police in the Fifth Element. And, no, you're right about that. Yeah. Yeah, there were some elements that they like. I feel like they kind of like used or like they were influenced by. Oh yeah, they let James Gunn have fun with this one. Yeah, yeah. And when and when the, with the success of it, it's like okay, you can have more fun. Yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm glad they let him do that because like the same thing with Avengers. They had the they had Joss Whedon do the first two Avengers films, direct them both and write them both. Yeah. The last two ones were done by the Russo brothers, who also did the last two Captain America films, Winter Soldier and Civil War. Okay. But it's like, yeah, they anybody who grosses like over a billion dollars in the Marvel Studios as a director, and like you're allowed to write your own ticket. Ryan Coogler, he's another one. For yeah. Black Panther. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely if you're an upcoming director, I would think it's a really good place to kind of try your hand in uh, it, it, commercial it, films. It is definitely. I mean, Coogler, he had Black Panther was his third film. He had done Creed and Fruitvale Station before that. Creed was a, was a commercial success. Yeah, but Black Panther that that's t- one of the top ten highest grossing films of all time. Yeah, I mean, of course, man, it's it's incredible what the how well that movie did. I ex- I expected it to do well, like like typically well for any Marvel film, but not as well as it did. I mean, even even it was clearly geared, geared towards a black audience. Clearly, and mostly it had a mostly black cast, and you and. Did you see it in the theater at all, Andrew? I didn't get a chance to see it in the theater. Okay, because what's it called? If you did, you would have seen all these, a lot of these black folks, black Americans and black Africans coming to coming to wearing dashikis and African garb. And I'm thinking, okay, how many of y'all are actually from Africa and are and and can actually legitimately rock that right now? Because some of y'all just posing. <laughs> you cracked me up, man. Um, you know, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a. A good film. I mean, Michael B. Johnson. Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Wallace. Michael B. Jordan. Sorry. Um, yeah, he was he was in it, and you know he was in Creed, and that guy's. I feel like that's that's Coogler's Bobby De Niro. Yeah, I think he's like, like you said, he essentially a a film that allows you to punch your own, you know, essentially uh, guide your own career, and I think he's you know he's going places for sure. Oh yeah, B- Michael B. Jordan, Coogler, yeah, and Chadwick Boseman, him too. Yeah. The guy who played the Black Panther. Yeah. So, well, this was great, man. Uh, thanks for, for doing this. Thanks for, you know, getting me to, uh, you know, watch another great Marvel film and, 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 you know, get educated on some more great music that I wasn't, you know, initially familiar with. So, uh, oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I knew if we were going to do a Marvel film, it's like, we got to do guardians because of that soundtrack. Yeah, man, definitely. And uh, I'm looking, maybe we can do the second one, uh, you know, in the near future. I like to as well. And the third one when that finally comes out in theaters. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this, man. And I'll, I'll see you next time. All right. No doubt. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. podcast is available on my YouTube channel, Rotunes Reviews. It's also available on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and other major podcast distributors as well. So if you don't mind, please leave me some feedback. I'd really appreciate that. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, I'm on Facebook, 
Twitter. My Twitter handle is at RoadTunesRevs. I'm on Instagram, and I'm also on the Untapped app. My username is BrewTuned. This is Andrew signing off. Cheers.